Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we go into the season two finale for The Mandalorian. Where has Cyberpunk 2077 gone wrong? And it's time for Josh to convey his best in pop culture for 2020. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, it is truly appreciated. Plus, also as well, if you can give our friends at Thrive Fantasy at thrivefantasy.com or Thrive Fantasy on your app if you're interested in daily fantasy sports betting on player props, give them a shot. With your first deposit of $20 or more, they will match it dollar for dollar up to $50 with this code LFB. That's LFB in the code right there for you. They'll match a dollar for dollar up to $50 right there for you. If you're interested in Major League Baseball when it comes around, the NBA, which starts this week. Hello, hello, all you basketball fans out there. The NFL, which is currently in week 15 as we talk right now, the PGA and esports. If you're interested in any of those and you want to go ahead and be part of Thrive Fantasy today, just check out thrivefantasy.com to make sure of your eligibility. Plus, also as well, you can go ahead and download the apps today on the App Store and the Google Play Store as well. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. It's our own Mary Joshmas for Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His great book, Congratulations, You Suck, which you can get today at Barnes & Noble. And Amazon. In fact, you can still send out the love of this great book. You can go ahead and send it on also those e-readers like Kindle and the Nook. Plus also as well, his great shows, Topicocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast. It is my good friend indeed. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, Josh? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, just ready, man. This is the last uh last few days before Christmas. I've been seeing a lot of uh Went to Walmart yesterday. Pretty crazy out there. All the, the shoppers doing their thing. Do you ever like notice when you go out to the store around this time that there's a lot of people who aren't just buying things that their kids want? They waited so long that they have to buy things that are just there. Have you ever noticed that? 
Yes. At this point in time, it's so late in the game, you are lucky to get anything close to what that person wants. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you even go to into something somewhere like Walgreens and it's all it, it, it's just packed with people just looking to get anything they can get their hands on. It's amazing. And then uh, the rush is there, even in the middle of a pandemic, still people, you know, I'm going to go ahead and brave it. Please, everybody out there, be safe. Make sure you go ahead and mask up. Make sure you protect yourself and your family. If you have to go out shopping in the next few days, just before Christmas, please just beware, be smart, and also be safe out there. And have, of course, a happy holiday season. But it is going to be a great pop culture cosmos we got going on for you. Yes, of course, we're going to be talking the Mandalorian season finale. Season two had its big finale with a lot of reveals, a lot of interesting things to talk about. It is a lot of spoilers, but I'll tell you what, we're not going to put it until the back end of the show. I've got a couple great guests on, Dom and Chris Sardieri from Inside Sports Fantasy Football and Domination Sports Nation. They will be on the show on the back half to talk Mandalorian because Josh has not quite gotten there yet. But I will also share some final thoughts on the Mandalorian Season 2 finale on the back end of the show. It's time to start breaking down some of the best of 2020. And we're going to do that today in a little bit different fashion because Josh is here. He's going to pick anything that he wants from the realm of pop culture. So today is the best for Josh in pop culture for 2020. But first, my friend... All right, we're going to do this, my friend. We're going to get into it with Cyberpunk 2077. The latest news on it is that even the hot fixes that have come out recently for Cyberpunk 2077 have not fixed the problem in its entirety. And there's a lot of great concern, so much of a great concern about the bugs and the issues going on there with the regular consoles at this point in time is what I'll call them, the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. There's such a sheer issue of bugs, glitches, errors, and things of that nature that are infuriating gamers out there to the point where both companies, Microsoft and Sony, have clear policies in regards to refunds for just this specific game that's over and beyond what they would normally do for any other game. Just crushing blow. They've decided to go ahead and PlayStation and remove I don't know for how long, I don't know if it's permanent, but remove Cyberpunk 2077 from the PlayStation Store. That has got to be a big blow to CD Projekt Red. I know there's a lot of finger pointing right now. How could they let let this get out there? It's not necessarily the Xbox series or the PlayStation 5 that are having, they're having issues, rest assured, but it's not to the extent where the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One are having, where there's several frame rate issues glitches errors to the point where the game is truly unplayable so i want to hear your thoughts josh on this big debacle i know you're going to be mentioning it again a little bit later on but i wanted to go ahead and hear your thoughts on cyberpunk 2077 and the massive failure right now for cd project red so i've been thinking about this a lot i've been chatting up rank from super bs about it and it, it's weird because this is one of those games where like it clearly was not ready to be launched and or at least across as many platforms as I think it's on like so you have PlayStation 4, Stadia, PlayStation or Xbox One, Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5. And then were there a PC? There's almost there's like seven or eight formats that they had to develop. Dear for. Lord, if they put that thing on Nintendo Switch right now, oh, my gosh, it might blow up your Nintendo Switch. Yeah, right. So it's hard to know if like. 
if it was what what's causing this this error is it the investors because i saw that they have their stock numbers were really high and it plummeted after the release of cyberpunk 2077 so there's was there a commitment to the investors that pushed it out before it was ready was it the the fact that they had to develop for so many consoles because you you look at it with halo infinite right they were suffering from that same issue having to or that's what the rumors were they were having to develop for different consoles different two different era of generations of consoles was causing uh, was causing issue uh or is it just the fact that they these are things that they these were oversights you know it, it's hard to really know for sure but this is well on its way to becoming the next mass effect andromeda and while the reviews have been mostly positive for uh, playstation 5 and xbox series x it's still got a ton of glitches and i keep seeing pictures of it online i'm getting pictures sent to me from friends who are playing on the series x and ps5 and you know you have the uh pixelated faces you have some people with no faces it's there's a lot of things going on here that it's going to require a whole lot of patches so i mean again like is this going to become the the andromeda the next andromeda you know assassin's it, creed unity i think correct assassin's that was the one creed i had the... also had a, a bunch no of faces launch. yep it's hard to know because like with patches the dangerous thing is they put patches out and those patches might very well reveal another problem that they didn't know existed so with cyberpunk it sounds like they're going to need a lot of patches to be put out so it could be very well be late into 2021 or early 2022 where we actually get a game that's playable and that seems to become more the norm these days where a game is unfinished when it's released of a major value and then of course we've seen what fallout 76 and i think halo the master chief collection which several years later is now really good the problem is it's forgotten about it but it is a really good version of it now and should have been the version that came out originally no man's sky has suffered a lot of these issues where now it's a truly terrific game but it's three years later and they've been able to recapture some of that community they've done a great job of that but you see with anthem from Bioware, you, like you said, Mass Effect Andromeda, where you just have that crowd that's really anticipating this game, and then it comes out to all these glitches, to all these errors, and it's not ready. And you know what? They just go ahead and it never recaptures. No matter no matter how much time they put into it to make it a decent game, unfortunately, there's just no support for it, and it's gone forever. I mean, this is becoming more the norm. I think it's time for Josh to go on the soapbox and about this because it's very frustrating, my friend. It's very, very frustrating to see this because this is not the first time it's going to happen. The thing with this one, though, is, is they knew going in that the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox series, the, the, the actual future for Cyberpunk 2077, that's where they wanted to target. And it's clear they made an effort to try and make that as polished as they could, even though, like you said, there's still errors there. When it comes to such little regard for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, Xbox One games that are out there, to see such little regard for it, when that's the most popular choice for this series right now and will be going forward. And thank you, by the way, for face for the Facebook user who gave us a thumbs up. Thank you so much for doing that. I wanted to go ahead and say that it, it's a shame. It's it's a it's criminal, almost criminal. I mean, I, I can see this going to somebody actually getting so mad that they're going to file suit because you got to remember up to 8 million people 
actually reserved this game. Eight, I think that was the number that was being bandied about. Eight million people pre-ordered this game. And that was just a huge, huge volume of people that was so interested in this game that had such high hopes that are now dashed in many cases because of the poor way this has been done. And you're right. It is to go ahead and appease a lot of these investors to try and go ahead and push this out before the end of the year. But this was a sheer mistake by CD Projekt Red. Yeah, and I mean, and this is the same thing, you know, we we see with stuff like Warner Brothers, right? And the Justice League movie, we've talked about this kind of thing before, where like the investors and the uh, the people who the the people on the board are making decisions that are ultimately harmful for the product as a whole. I don't know how, because this is a lot to keep track of, you know, seven or eight different versions of this game that they have to go through and patch all of them. So, I mean, this is this is going to be it's going to be a long time before this game resembles what it was promised coming out. And, you know, I, I hope that this doesn't tarnish the reputation of CD Projekt Red when it comes to future entries in like the Witcher franchise. But it's very sad that this is what happened. And I'm curious if this is uh, going to cost them financially to have to issue refunds or, you know, they're going to like you said, they're going to possibly face some lawsuits. It's going to be interesting to see the way that this all plays out because they have yet to make any uh comment outside the fact that they promised to get it back on the playstation store as soon as possible so i don't know what's going on but yesterday like i had some gift cards that i wanted to go spend and i had the option of buying cyberpunk 2077 or something else and i chose yakuza like a dragon because i just cyberpunk 2077 i've heard so many bad things about it that i don't really have any desire to play it at this moment in time Noe and Fine would say thank you very much for doing that because he is the biggest Yakuza supporter out there and he loves, absolutely loves Like a Dragon. And he's actually going to go ahead and probably put that on his best of list for 2020. I know he would be very pleased for that. But these studios just think they can just throw it out there in any type of form and think they can get away with it. But the problem is with a heavily anticipated game like this, There are over 100 million PlayStation 4 owners, and there are over, what, 30, 40, possibly even 50 million Xbox Ones out there. I mean, that's a lot of systems. That's a lot of machines out there that wanted to download or could download that game. That's the the actual crowd and the, the, the individuals you want to cater to the most. You don't want to cater to the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series right now. You can develop that going forward. You have to have a game that's ready on the current system now because that's where your most of your money is being made right now. Yeah, and so and it's unfortunate that they had the timing of coming out like right on the cusp of these new consoles and when they knew they would probably have to develop for you know the other the next generation as well, but I I'm curious like would we be facing these problems if they only had one set of consoles to focus on you know like just the pc xbox playstation would they have had this same thing and i'm wondering if a lot of other developers are watching this process go go down and you know kind of taking notes on what not to do you know for example like don't get over involved don't over commit yourself like if i'm gonna make something and i can make it look fantastic on playstation I don't need to make it on Xbox, PlayStation, and Stadia, and PC, and all those others. I need to focus on just where I'm, I know that I'm going to make a beautiful product. You said it best, my friend. These other studios are watching. They're gauging this outcome, and they're seeing the disaster that is right now Cyberpunk 2077. 
and they're taking their notes. So hopefully they can go ahead and learn from this. But this is a disaster. And I understand it's an open world game. And I know there's always issues and little bit glitches here with with an open world game. I mean, my gosh, Bethesda is the master of having these open world glitches. But, you know, when you have a system launched that's so anticipated like this, the problems to the degree and the playability where the frame rate is getting into the teens, as we've seen on several videos with the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One games or versions of Cyberpunk 2077 is truly wrong. It's truly bad. And whoever okayed it for release right now is probably no longer going to have a job or should no longer have a job right now for CD Projekt Red because at this point in time, they don't deserve to stay within the realms of this industry if they're making this call and they know how bad it is. And, oh, you just send some hot fixes out and everything's going to be okay. Well, no. And unfortunately, these hot fixes didn't make it okay. But what are your thoughts out there on the disaster known as Cyberpunk 2077 and its releases on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One? It's survivable and even okay and pretty good, I hear, on the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S. But for those out there that are suffering through the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, we feel for you. What are your thoughts out there on the disaster known as Cyberpunk 2077 and its launch on current consoles? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, it is time to turn it over to you because right now we're going to go ahead with the best in pop culture for Josh Peterson, Mary Joshmas for 2020. So I want to hear your thoughts, man, on what has moved you in 2020 when it comes to pop culture, because I know that 2020 has been a very difficult year for everyone out there, but I think that pop culture has been one of the ways we've been able to get through this and our devotion and love for pop culture. So I want to hear your thoughts on what's moved you one way or another in pop culture for 2020. This was a list of things that are kind of all over the map. It seems like 2020 has kind of marked a lot of like celebrity bickering back and forth. You know, celebrities talking trash to each other, people talking trash on celebrities. They the year of years of or year of uh, people getting canceled and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm focusing more on the things that are like works of art, you know, and like P and, and people who deserve to be mentioned. You know, I'm going to start here with like class action park. All right. Class action park is something we've talked about at And I will have on just let you know, I'm, I'm scheduled to interview this week, Seth Porges, the director once again, to get an update on, on how it's been a success with HBO max, but go ahead, go ahead. Please give them, yeah, give them my compliments because like I was sitting, I was having a conversation with someone about this documentary and this is a documentary that it really, it's, it's entertaining, you know, it's tragic and it's entertaining and it's, Something that would, because I've never been much of a documentary fan. Like I like video game stuff a lot, but anything outside that realm, I've never really been interested in. But watching this, like if this could make me a fan of documentaries, it's like a gateway drug. Like this could open the door for so many people who have not 
sat down and watched a documentary because it is so enthralling. Like you just, you can't help but look away. It's like when you, uh, you see somebody and you're like, that person is going to like fall down some stairs or something and you want to tell them to stop but you can't stop staring at what's about to happen like that is class action park it's just mesmerizing in every aspect cyberpunk 2077's release you know we kind of talked about this and then also cyberpunk 2077's failure just astounding that this game has been anticipated for like 10 years now and it came out to such an avalanche Next, moving on here, we got Final Fantasy VII Remake. So this is something that it's like Spider-Man in the fact that it has crossed multiple generations and inspired kids of yesteryear and adults of today. You know, it's one of those things where it's it's something that was a vital part of every gamer's childhood, and they remade it into something just breathtaking today. And, you know, though it has its flaws, it's, it's far from the perfect game. It was just, it's such a nice return to a world that has been a part of so many people's lives i don't know if you've seen it there's this youtube video documentary thing and they they go around interviewing people about like what final fantasy 7 meant to them and a lot of people is like an escape for them in abusive homes and you know help them through some dark times and like it's it's true it really is like there has been no other final fantasy game that i've played that really pulls you into the world as much as final fantasy 7 so i think that that is worth mentioning Next on my list here, I got HBO Max, their streaming theater releases. You know, that was something that in a in a year where not a lot of things came out in theaters, like this is something that is definitely worth talking about because this this could very well change the landscape of how people go to the theaters, you know, assuming that these vaccines that everyone talks about doesn't make people brave enough to go back out to see movies. This is something that you had stated first. You called this. You saw this as, as the way in fact i throw it on the promo uh, mm-hmm. you know that we did you know the where, where it changes the way we we actually watch movies and the future has now been shaped forever yeah and it, it's been one of those like adapt or die situations and though this is like making a lot of people really mad it's going to be an experiment but it's also somebody had to take a step forward and warner brothers seems to be the people that did it so whether or not that's going to do well for them We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Wonder Woman's the first movie out the gate here this week, right, on the 23rd. Mm -hmm. And it'll be an interesting experiment. It'll be interesting to see just what happens. How does it go? And this is a a big moment. Like, this this could very well, like, have a ripple effect for the next, like, 10 years on movies. So this is a huge, huge moment. It is a huge moment. People have to realize that if this is successful for HBO Max and they reach a huge number of subscribers, because that's what this is about. all about. This mm-hmm. is all about getting subscribers and them playing catch-up. I said this on last week's show, that this is them playing catch-up because they were late to the streaming ball game. And you've got Netflix at 200 million subscribers. you got Disney Plus closing in on 100 million subscribers. You've got Peacock. Apple Plus, you've got all these other newer streaming services all vying to get into the ball game and to really become a major player. What do you need to do to help yourself stand out? And especially at a high dollar amount, or at least on the higher end for streaming services, because they're what, $15 a month, I think? Yeah. Around there. Then you're going to have to go ahead and provide something different than anyone else. And this is surely the way that they can do that. Yeah, I mean, and, and not just for streaming services, but, you know, th- this could be the, the nail in the coffin for movie theaters, because though Warner Brothers is offering the chance to 
watch it in theaters and it's only going to be on HBO Max for 30 days, this could very well like people will be like, oh, maybe I just don't need to go to the movie theaters anymore. Because if this is successful, even when people do feel comfortable going outside again, it's going to be one of those things where like, hey, I can watch this movie from my house. Why do I want to go stand in line? You know, that that whole culture of like going to midnight movies was fun, but also unnecessary, you know, and especially now that we live in an age where, where these services have made people lazier. It's like that saying, you can never go home again, right? Like things could possibly never go back to the way they were. I think it'll come back somewhat when it becomes safer, but it's going to be at least 2022 before that happens, in right. my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. And, you know, it's funny that this could also like have a ripple effect through the home theater industry, right? People are going to start buying bigger TVs and sound systems and all that. So it'll be interesting to see what people's uh, living rooms look like come 2022. Well, I'll tell you what, I had Tenet blazing last night on the audio system. So it was really nice listening on the surrounds. That, that movie, all I'll say is this, whether or not it's a great movie, bad movie, awesome movie, movie that stinks i'm not going to say right now but i will say that the sound and the music is definitely worth your time so if you do have a home audio system that deserves it it's going to go ahead and make it worth its while because it is just an awesome sounding movie and i'll just leave it at that yeah i mean chris nolan's always been good at doing stuff like that even in dunkirk right he does a great job of sound editing because he makes the sound sound like it's traveling across the theater Oh, yeah. And the score is just amazing here. Yeah. And his like gunplay scenes are just it's just the sound from those is fantastic. Okay, moving on here. We have the console releases. This is like allegedly the biggest console release that these companies have ever had. And it's the biggest console release that people still can't seem to get a hold of. The scalping market here is like worse than it's ever been for any other console release. And, you know, I think that's like we've talked we've talked about this a lot, probably due to like covid and and all these internet companies popping up the resale companies but stores are finally starting to get some of these back in stock so you can pick them up if you pay attention to what's in the weekly ads but it's been a weird console release because you have these consoles playstation has their exclusives but xbox is like geared up to take the next gen competition but they have nothing to play on them you know especially with like the delay of halo infinite so it's been big but it's been strange and like you know it seems so recent that like the xbox 360 came out and the xbox one came out now playstation 3 playstation 4 and nothing has ever been like this before okay i got three more things here my first one a couple of music related items have you ever heard of chain reaction mm-hmm okay so this is a place in anaheim it's like right across the street from disneyland this is where a lot of like big bands got their start you know this especially like the early 2000s post-hardcore bands harder hardcore bands you can call them like bands like thrice and a lot of bands have been through there and like i've seen a lot of shows there they have been at the heart of a lot of southern california music scene it was like if you could sell out chain reaction then the anaheim house of blues would let you play there so that's one of those things so they were about to close down because covid was causing you know obviously people weren't going to go see concerts and all that stuff but all these bands that had gotten their start at Chain Reaction reached out to the fans and raised enough money to keep the lights on at Chain Reaction for another year. That sounds really encouraging that they were able to go ahead and do that, my friend. It really is something that looks like that a lot of people are going to support. And uh, I really like that. that. I'm glad that happened. Just one of those like feel good stories, you know, and I'd like I got a lot of memories at Chain Reaction. And it, I just it, it felt like really cool to know that these bands that are huge now that have a ton of people following them 
we're able to like reach out to the community and have people band together to save this venue that's meant a lot to a lot of people so it's not pop culture at like the that affects the entire world but it's like it's something more localized and it's it was nice to read something like that especially in these times when everyone's kind of like writing pieces that really hurt people next item here i got deftones release of ohms like not really a lot to say about this outside the fact that like 32 years man like 32 years of deftones like just putting out solid albums, winning awards, having these big features in Revolver magazine. They've been through the 90s. They've been through the 2000s. They've been through like the 2020s. And they're still going strong, man. Like this is crazy. Like Chino Marino, he seems like Russell Crowe in the fact that he doesn't age and he just keeps putting out gold. There hasn't been a lot of like big music to hit in 2020 because of coronavirus. And like these guys did it. You know, these guys are amazing. All right, last thing on here. Okay, I don't. I wanted to talk to you about this because I don't know what caused this, but there's been a renaissance for like Power Ranger toys. They released the Lightning Collection. I think it was last year. Well, they were actually pretty hard to find when I was a kid. I remember my grandma used to like wait outside to get me stuff on Christmas, uh, like Dinozord and the Tiger Zord and stuff like that. But like, you know, you go on eBay right now and you look for something like these Zords. I think they cost almost like forty to fifty dollars when I was a kid, and like you go on eBay now and they're selling for upwards of like three or four hundred dollars it's absolutely insane the price of power ranger toys ever since power rangers sold the hasbro the value of the old bandai toys has started to like continually rise so it's just a weird thing and you know i'm a fan of power rangers i hope that we see you know when they reboot the franchise in movie form or streaming form whatever form it takes i just hope that it lives up to this product that has crossed many different generations and still seems to go strong today all right. Well, there you go. There's the best for Josh and pop culture for 2020. If you have a list of whatever it is that made you happy or made you mad or made you sad in pop culture for 2020, share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. All right. I'll tell you what, we've got a great rest of the show because we're going to be talking some Mandalorian season two coming up. The ending, the finale, it was big. It was glorious. Everybody on social media is talking about it. The spoilers are flying all over the place. And Chris and Dom Lardieri from Inside Sports Fantasy Football and also as well the Domination Sports Nation, they're coming up right after the break to talk the Mandalorian season two finale and all the stuff that's branching out because of it. We're going to talk about that. So there'll be spoilers ahead on the back half of the show and then I will go ahead and talk in some generalities because I know Josh hasn't seen it yet on the back end of the show as we close out another great episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. I can't finish off a great pop culture weekend without talking about do 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 the Mandalorian. That's right. Season two just ended, and boy, did it ever come up with a finale. I had stated before in interviews today that I think the Mandalorian season two was much better than season one. Did not have the highs and lows that season one had. It had a consistent, either good, very good, or great episode each and every time out. So I'm very pleased with the way season two came out. And of course, I'm also very pleased with the way season two ended. 
But here today to talk about The Mandalorian Season 2 and the way it ended and where it goes from here are two great guests indeed. you got to check out what they're doing today at the Domination Sports Nation podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, they're on with me each and every week for Inside Sports Fantasy Football. It is Dom and Chris Ardieri. Guys, it's always a pleasure having you on. You're crisscrossing all over the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football Stratosphere. It's great to have you part of this. And, Chris, cannot thank you enough again for being part of the show before I hit up Dom. Just glad to have you on, man. Thanks for having us. It's nice to uh, finally talk about something not related to football or basketball. We appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Dom, spoiler alert again for everyone out there, but I do want to go ahead and talk to you right now, Dom, about The Mandalorian. First of all, overall as a series, before we get into the nitty gritty and all the spoilers details on the last episode, how is your experience with season two overall? Well, I think like you said, they're very consistent with the episodes and Personally, I liked the second to last episode with Bill Burr when they had those big trucks and they had to get into the Imperial base. I thought that was one of my favorites in the season. And I would say it wasn't my least favorite because it was just a bad episode. I just didn't like how the spiders were attacking Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian and they're stranded in the second episode. But it was still a great episode. And I think Jon Favreau did a great job this season and he's very creative. Well, I think it was a very good episode. I think it was probably the weakest of all the episodes, but it's still, for me, a solid seven, maybe even a seven and a half, which for me was still something at the very end people talking about because Groku, Baby Yoda, the child, whatever you want to call it, did something very shocking at the end and how he had that egg and like, oh, snatched it up. But yes, how he snatched up the eggs, that was uncool. I was mad. He was on probation with us in the glassford household for two weeks on cuteness (laughs) just to let you know because of the egg snatching especially that last one like really like a criminal at the end it's like right there it's out of the blue and we were just going ah just made us react so even a fairly good episode which was the weakest this season is something still people talk about because of the egg snatching and that tells you when you have a great season overall, when you have an episode that is not as strong as the others that still makes an impression, that tells you something right there. And the next to last episode, like you said, with Bill Burr and sort of a redemption story type deal for him, I thought that was pretty good. Chris, how was the overall season for you for season two? I thought it was excellent. I agree with Dom about the spider episode, and we cringed equally here in the Lardieri household with the egg-eating incident. But I, I think, too, just that whole episode in general it was stressful kind of had you on the edge of your seat so for a bad episode i'll take it compared to some of these other shows that are highly hyped at this point i concur with dom you know bill burr i think stood out in the first season it was nice to see him back he and i were remarking to tie back into our our football sweet spot his name's mayfeld is that a baker mayfield reference we'll never find out i guess but I didn't know what was going to happen other than I heard the final episode would really be a massive surprise and it did not disappoint. I mean, I still was talking about it with Dom and my daughter hours later and I really liked how Favreau pulled a trick out of his Marvel sleeve and yeah, wait for the end of the credits and there's another surprise waiting for us. Absolutely. And we're going to get into that here in just a sec, but it was a very shocking ending 
to the Mandalorian that has everyone talking. It actually, again, was a very outstanding season. The way they patterned it, almost like those Western shows of the 50s and 60s, that was immortalized in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where the gunfighter would come in to a different situation and to a new adventure each and every episode. And that's the way they seemingly pattern it, at least in the front half of the season. So I really like the way that they, they did that. But let's go ahead with the thoughts on the final episode, which I think everybody wants to talk about first before we go into the after credit scene. And I want to talk to you first, guys, about that final episode where they basically the the Mandalorian, along with all of his cohorts that he's gotten from Bo-Katan and Sasha Banks character. Well, I should be calling her real name Mercedes Vernado, but I'll say Sasha Banks for everybody out there. That's a little bit easier to follow. And then also as well. You had Boba Fett, you had Ming-Na Wen's character, and then, of course, you had uh, Gina Carano's character as well, all storming this Empire ship to try to go ahead and save our beloved child, Grogu. Of course, I call him Baby Yoda, and I'm going to stick to that. But when it comes down to it, Chris, I want to ask you this. Do you like the setup going into it? Did you like and enjoy what was going to take place? And where was the Mandalorian dude? I understand that they wanted to do something similar to A-Force, and I think it's very powerful that they showed off and showcased that, similar to what you saw in Avengers Endgame. But even my daughter was saying, where was the Mandalorian dude from earlier in the season? Couldn't they just said he'd gone fishing or something? Good point. Yeah, he is MIA, I guess. But you hit on something that stuck out to me, and Marvel has done a good job of this where he, he rounded up his buddies. In this case, there are way more women than you'd see in anything Star Wars had done previously, which I thought was cool. Um, Giancarlo Esposito, an excellent actor. Hottest, hottest yeah. actor on the earth right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him going back to the homicide days on NBC, so that shows you how old I am. But I, I thought he's a, show. he's a terrific bad guy. I thought it was fitting. Dom and my daughter and I wanted him blasted into the universe, and you knew it wasn't going to happen. So he's still lingering out there. I thought that was great. And I thought, too, the Mandalorian taking his mask off at the end in front of Baby Yoda one last time was really cool. So there's a lot of symbolism, but I, I think your Western analogy is perfect. Let me get my ragtag bunch of buddies together for one less run, and we're going to make a go at it to get Baby Yoda. I thought like that was really cool. like the Magnificent Seven. Hmm? Absolutely. I mean, Favreau's a movie buff. We know that. He started as an actor. And I mean, for us, when we saw the X-Wing fighter, we were all throwing out theories on who it would be. And I guess, right. And I think the only question for me in my uh, middle age was, was that really Mark Hamill or someone that looked a lot like him? So I think that's another talking point we could talk about for ages. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the super robots that were in place looked like they would be the death knell for our crew. But as they approached the actual heroes of the story, Lo and behold, we did get the Jedi that answered the call that was made in the awesome Robert Rodriguez-directed episode earlier in the season, two episodes ago. And we saw that the call was made and answered by none other than Luke Skywalker. A 29, I think, if everybody tells me is correct, what I hear online and what I see online is correct. I think it's about late 20s, 29, 30-ish right there as far as Luke Skywalker. It is voiced by Mark Hamill. They might have done some little tweaks to make him sound a little bit younger but the cgi was there my friend dom and i wanted to ask you this with the uncanny valley going on i think it was a little bit better a little bit more palpable to see the cgi that was done 
I could have liked better Sebastian Stan, which was the hottest rumor to go ahead and say, you know what, that he should play Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. I would have liked that a little bit better, but the CGI de-aging type deal, I think was a little bit better, a little bit easier to take than obviously what we saw from Rogue One. Your thoughts on Luke Skywalker's appearance at the end, saving the day for all the heroes in The Mandalorian. Yeah, and they did a great job on the CGI really did look exactly like Luke Skywalker. and the nose is a little pointy. Yeah, that was the only thing. A little pointy, and his hair might have been a little too long. But anyways, I just think he was bound to be in the one episode sometime. Like, the timeline is sometime after the second Death Star had blown up, and I just think that what else was Luke Skywalker doing? And my sister made a great point. She said in the second Star Wars movie where... It was Kylo Ren having uh, flashbacks of Luke Skywalker and him saying, I don't ever want to teach anyone again. And was that a story about teaching Baby Yoda or teaching Kylo Ren? So there's a theory there. Well, you never know if it spans out to showcase at some point in time in the series, the training for Yoda. You might just see a young Ben Solo there. So that would be very interesting to see how that plays out. But there is so many different bylines, obviously, that was created because of what went on in season two of The Mandalorian. And I think not only did they do a great job of telling the stories confined in and of itself, but they did a great job of expanding the universe and the possibilities that it creates. Obviously, with the Ahsoka Tano episode that she was a major part of, and now she's going to get her own spinoff series, as was announced on Disney's Investor Day. Not only the appearance by some of the fighters for the New Republic, which is going to lead to a New Republic series, which is going to be coming out at some point in time, also on Disney+, Plus, which is relating in and of the Mandalorian series. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, there's also a Boba Fett series that could be in place. It looks like a short miniseries from all rumors that are out there taking place in and around the next season of The Mandalorian. I think it's also coming December 2021. I'm assuming it's going to play shortly before the next season airs or maybe concurrently. Who knows? But sometime in December 2021, we're going to get the Book of Boba Fett because at the very end, after Boba Fett helps The Mandalorian go ahead and retrieve Baby Yoda, and ultimately goes ahead and Baby Yoda decides to go ahead and go with Luke Skywalker for Jedi training. An after credit scene involving Boba Fett where he goes to Jabba's palace from Return of the Jedi and return to that. Some of the familiar characters that were there so many years ago were there present. Bib Fortuna was the actual same actor, uh, quite a bit older, quite a bit heavier, but he was there actually uh, leading because that, that was all that was left. but And Boba Fett quickly killed him off. And everyone there, him and Ming-Na Wen's character, who, the reason why she's hanging out with him is because she is in his debt for having him saved her in season one of The Mandalorian. So going back on that. So I want to ask you this. With all that said and done, it's looking like The Book of Boba Fett will be a series on Disney+. Plus. I thought that was a cool thing on the end that they added. I thought that was something very much of a surprise, a great surprise to Disney Plus fans out there and Disney fans and Star Wars fans because this is something they didn't announce. The Rangers of the New Republic they announced. Ahsoka Tano series they announced. They kept this for the very end. 
Yeah, and they did a, a great job of it because I hadn't heard anything and I was completely shocked. And at one point in the final episode of The Mandalorian, I said to Dom, where's Boba Fett? Well, now we know he was busy working out the deals of his spinoff show. I'm thrilled about it. I was happy in episode one of this season where he was in the shadows looking as the Mandalorian was securing the old Boba Fett armor and helmet. I love seeing his ship. Uh, he's always been one of my favorite characters. I know it's really cool. The younger generation, like my kids, are really happy to see him. So I think they're, they're going to have another hit on their hands because this, this character spans multiple generations. And it's something I'm looking forward to, even if it's short. My thing is, with everything going on with the pandemic and COVID, I'm glad they snuck the Mandalorian in and got the filming done before the shutdown. Who knows when we'll see either of these again, but at least it gives us something to look forward to. Well, tentatively right now, it is December 2021 for both these series. We don't know how long they will be, or we don't know how many episodes that they're going to run. But it's interesting, Dom, to see that now one of the major key players in the crime world of Star Wars, which has always been something a lot of people have been fascinated with, which got a little bit of love in Rogue One and got an even bigger bit of love in Solo, a Star Wars story, which I think is criminally underseen by people out there. People do need to check it out because it really is a solid movie. Darth Maul at the end of Solo, A Star Wars Story, near the end anyways, was identified as not only having survived, but a master and ruler of the underworld, this crime syndicate per se, of the Star Wars universe. Boba Fett seems to be following in that same fashion. Yeah, and if you've watched The Clone Wars, of course, you know that Darth Maul survived. Now, I didn't think that Boba Fett had survived, especially going to that monster's mouth in The Return of the Jedi, so... I think it was fascinating. Like you said, that's a good point about following in footsteps. You know, you don't know if anyone else that's died in movies. Who knows if Mace Windu survived or I don't think Han Solo did. But there's a lot of theories out there about those characters, especially Mace Windu. I think that's been going on for years about him surviving. I have a feeling he will be returning. I mean, he mentioned it a couple of years ago at Star Wars Celebration. There's a video of actually him asking fans and trying to get the fans to go ahead and bring him back as Mace Windu. I actually see him coming back at some capacity. I mean, he's going to have his own Disney Plus series for Marvel in The Secret Invasion. So why not come back for two series? You know, either his own or being part of someone else's. Could we see him in Obi-Wan? You never know. This is going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. But getting back to The Mandalorian, I mean, like you said... Chris, it's going to be a while before we see this again, this excitement. I mean, we worried before if Mandalorian was going to keep its momentum going into season two, and they did not only that, but they were able to grow and expound on that by leaps and bounds. Even the hype, whatever hype that was generated for season one, season two has exceeded all that. What are you expecting for season three now that it's going to seemingly going to go in different directions now with the Mandalorian now in possession of the Darksaber, which he fought in battle for Giancarlo's grandma. Now he's going ahead and has it, but he can't give it to Bo-Katan, who's really mad at him. But what can you do? And I'll pick between a rock and a hard place there. There has to be one in battle, so they're going to have to figure out that. Meanwhile, he's in debt to her, the Mandalorian, because the fact he now has to go ahead and help her try and regain Mandalore. So it's, it's a tricky web of plot devices that are going on there not to mention what we were talking about with baby yoda and luke skywalker so how intrigued are you for next season 
I'm very intrigued. I'm guessing we're going to have these split storylines like you mentioned, but I think in general the theme of the show has been the Mandalorian has something that others want, and he's either looking to find a rightful home for it or protect it. And I think in this case it could be the Darksaber. And, and with our, our friend Giancarlo Esposito seemingly lurking out there and the other storylines you outlined, I don't think there'll be any lack of potential areas or directions to go next season. I think for me, I would rather see the Luke and Baby Yoda storylines stay contained within The Mandalorian, but you never know with Disney. Will that be a spinoff? I'm not quite sure, but I'm, I'm looking so. forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's, that's all I asked for, but I, I think there's going to be plenty of chaos in The Mandalorian's world and got to figure out if he's going to get a new ship or what, too, while we're at it. Well, the thing is, you also have to limit the amount of screen time this CGI Luke Skywalker is going to get. Not only is it costly, especially for a TV show, but the fact is, you know, how much believability do you have in seeing after the Uncanny Valley is still people are talking about it with the CGI makeup for a young Luke Skywalker? Since you don't have an actual actor playing the entirety role that you see, like Sebastian Stan, had he been given the opportunity to play the role, I think that would have been different. You could have gone in a completely different direction with a new series and all that. I think you're right. It's going to be somewhat self-contained within the confines of The Mandalorian, maybe touched upon, maybe talked about. I think the majority of what we will see is what's going on with The Mandalorian because he obviously not only is the show named after him, but he is, of all the characters on there, the most intriguing and the most interesting to watch. Disney has done a great job. John Favreau, Dave Filoni has done a great job of making his character, even though he's behind the mask, even though he's behind the helmet, all, almost all the entirety of the show, he's the most intriguing character for us to watch and follow. So I think the Luke Skywalker baby Yoda will be contained within the confines of that or just mentioned briefly from time and time out until you see a dramatic reveal at some point in time where it's either the Mandalorian going to visit him or Baby Yoda coming back for, like, let's say, a season three finale or something like that. Dom, I want to go ahead and ask you this before we head on out, and that is your overall thoughts on the way The Mandalorian ended. Are you pleased? Are you excited? And are you enthused to see A Mandalorian season three? Yes, I am, and I think I'm excited to see what happens, and I'm excited to see what new ship The Mandalorian is going to get because his other one got blown up, so I'm, I'm intrigued to see what his new ship will be and of course like he said i don't know how they're gonna do it with baby yoda like he said and ahsoka made a good point saying how powerful he was and how it might be a little too hard for luke skywalker to contain and who knows does baby yoda go back to the mandalorian and just forget all his jedi powers and just hang out with him i don't know honestly so there's a lot of theories going around and we don't know what to expect and that's the beauty, right? You just get to wait and see another year, but it's going to be so hard waiting a year. Yes, it is going to be very difficult waiting for a year. Grandma of Tarkin, again, played by Giancarlo Esposito, very smarmy, very evil, very intelligent. And I'll tell you what, he's did a great job again. Hottest actor on the earth. And I'll say it over and over because with The Mandalorian, The Boys, Far Cry 6, and whatever else he's doing right now is just sizzling hot right now. So, yes, it is The Mandalorian Season 2. It ended up on such a great note. I cannot thank you guys enough for talking about it. So excited for Season 3. Any last thoughts on The Mandalorian, Chris, on the way out? 
here's one of the things I really like about the show, and, and this is the middle-aged man in me. I like that a new show only drops every week. I have something to look forward to, something to talk about for the following week. And then every Friday night, even though it's on a pay app, the kids and I are like, all right, it's time to watch The Mandalorian, as if we're almost watching a network TV show back in the day before your VCRs and the like. So I, I like that old school part of it. I think too, the, the acting's fantastic and bigger picture, you know, you look at what's going on with Warner brothers announcing that when movies are released in 21, they'll also appear on HBO max. It's going to throw the motion picture industry into a, a tizzy. Could this stay this, the trend after the pandemic ends and we all get back up and running? I don't know, but what makes me kind of think about this a little deeper is will all the great movie actors migrate over to the TV side, specifically these shows on, on Netflix or Disney plus. I mean, let's face it. Disney's got the budget to take on a Netflix long-term. I mean, it may take a little while, but you know, with what they've got in, in inventory with Marvel and star Wars and the depth of characters, they could spin off. Will these new age of TV shows become our version of movies as we head into the next decade or so? It's, it's kind of a question I've been mulling over. It's kind of a question I've been mulling over as well, and I talk about it here on our show, Pop Culture Cosmos, quite frequently. And you hit some stuff right there on the head, Chris. I mean, as far as the future for what streaming television is going to be, a lot of these big-name actors would not have come anywhere near television shows anywhere in the past. And now it seems like a, a badge of honor to go ahead and be part of a streaming program or a streaming movie that's hitting Netflix or something of that nature. I know there's still, like you said, a lot of people in the industry very upset with HBO Max's decision. I think it's a big win for HBO Max going forward. Will it change the industry forever? It very well might. But for them, it's all about getting subscriptions. And they had to go ahead and play catch up. And they're doing it now by their decision by doing that. And I think they will play catch up because of it. But with what we're seeing with The Mandalorian, I'm just so excited for the future. And obviously dropping 10 Star Wars shows, not including the book of Boba Fett, that's added onto the mix. That's incredible. And you're right. On a weekly basis, it's really cool to be doing that again. It makes event television happen. I know my family and I, we all gather around. We make a point ahead of time to go ahead and be there on Friday nights to make a certain day and time effort to go ahead and meet up. So that is now event television, which is something we haven't had in a while. As we were getting into the pandemic, we had changed our style. So, oh yeah, I want to binge watch. Okay, all these episodes just dropped. I want to binge watch. I want to binge watch. I don't know going forward in the future, once, once things get back to normal, which way it will slide. But event television is here, for at least for now, with The Mandalorian. And I'm looking forward to season three as well. But Dom and Chris, I cannot thank you enough for talking to Mandalorian. You're always welcome back on this show. I know you'll see my gruesome face again on Wednesday when we go ahead and talk a lot about fantasy football, inside sports fantasy football. But whether it's basketball on the Lakers fast break, football for inside sports fantasy football, or pop culture right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, you guys are always a part of what we do right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. All right, and we're back to close out the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank so much Chris and Dom Lardieri from Inside Sports Fantasy Football and Domination Sports Nation. Catch both those shows if you are a big-time sports fan and also into fantasy football. Catch both those shows when you can, wherever you get your podcast. Plus, also as well, I've got a great line of guests coming in the next couple of weeks. Plus, we're still got Marcus's best of 2020, and we're also going to be breaking down the best of TV, the best of film. We're going to be breaking down a lot of great things, the best of over the next couple of weeks. Plus, I got no Ian Fine, so got some Christmas horror movie thoughts to come up. That's coming up in the not too distant future. So we've got a lot of stuff planned for you in the next couple of weeks on the Pop Culture Cosmos, and of course, the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows every Monday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts or wherever you listen to your radio stations worldwide. And also, if you can, go ahead and check us out at Facebook, at Pop Culture Cosmos, or wherever you get your social media. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I will say this, and I will try to avoid any spoilers for your ears, but The Mandalorian Season 2, it closed out on a very strong note. A lot of people were very hyped about it. I hear nothing but universal praise for it. And this season overall for me was a far, far better improvement. So my friend, I know you're heading through the episodes as we speak. And I want to talk to you about that when you get a chance. There's still a lot of demand out there for The Mandalorian. It is the biggest show right now, I think you could say, on any streaming platform. It's to the point where I think the Variety or Hollywood Reporter reported on the fact that Netflix has a genuine respect and how to try and emulate that because they've had some hits with Stranger Things and all the things that they've done, Umbrella Academy and things of that nature. But I'm not sure if they've gotten anything to the level of this because I I can only say maybe Game of Thrones in recent years has captured the imagination of the world as something like The Mandalorian. Yeah, I know they're hoping that The Witcher would be like their big drama piece. It's done pretty good. It's uh, done pretty good. It's done pretty well. It just hasn't gone to that level yet. You know, we'll see when they get further on. Because there's, I think there's seven books, and this they did book one, so we'll see as they get further on into the series. But Disney has, they have some magic up their sleeves when it comes to the Mandalorian. That they do, my friend. That they do. So we're going to be excited for what's going to be taking place in future seasons for the Mandalorian and all the stuff that branched out, which I talked about with Dom and Chris Sardieri from Inside Sports Fantasy Football and Domination Sports Nation. Can't really say out loud because you know. Josh hasn't seen it yet. Spoilers. So I want to go ahead and say I am very excited for what's to come. It's been a very good season for The Mandalorian, and I'm looking forward to the future, and I'm just excited for what's to come for The Mandalorian. But this will be the last opportunity you and I speak on the air before Christmas itself. 
So I wanted to go ahead and also to you listeners and viewers out there, express my hope that you have a safe and merry Christmas and a happy holiday season for everyone who celebrates something else or everybody who celebrates Christmas. Just wanted to go ahead and wish you well in the next few days, next few weeks. I wanted to go ahead and hear your final thoughts on the holiday season and what are you going to be watching this holiday season? You know me, I'm going to slap on Elf. I'm going to slap on Die Hard. I may slap on Christmas Vacation or some goofy movie like that. And of course, Die Hard, which is the best Christmas movie of all time. But I want to hear your thoughts on what you're doing this holiday season. I plan on playing video games. I have already watched Christmas Vacation twice. I already watched The Santa Claus. And other than that, I got a lot of streaming shows that I got to catch up on. So again, there's just so much these days. It's hard to really know where to start or really even where to stop. Also want to make mention that I will be watching Wonder Woman 1984, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, plus also Pixar Soul. It's going to be a busy Christmas for us. It never ends, man. It never ends, but I'm glad you're going to be going ahead and spending some time with your video game console and giving it the type of Christmas love only it deserves. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. The 42 cast is turning 100, but like all good things, it must come to an end. Tune in to our epic finale as we see who lives, who dies, and who gets their own spinoff. And then come back when the 42 cast is back for season two, with even more segments, more guests, and more of explaining why Ryan is wrong. It's why we're still the ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. You can only find all this awesome by downloading the 42 cast, a proud member of the ESO network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.